Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Stephen, tell us how long you've been part of CCM. Eight years. Eight years. Very good. Cornelius, how long have you been part of CCM? Three years. How many? Three years. Three years. Very good. Steve wins on eight years. Yeah, it'll be ten years in September. Ten years in September. Very good. Very good. Tom, how long have you been part of CCM? Uh, four years. No, five. Okay. Shouldn't have asked Tom. Julia, how long? Eight. Right, okay. So Stuart wins. Well done, Stuart. Uh, so church, as we have illustrated here, is a long-term thing, okay? So uh, numbers of you have been around uh, CCM and have been involved for many years. And we have across CCM, actually, so think about Andy and Victoria Armstrong, who are part of our site in Gorton. Uh, they have been in Gorton for, I don't know, 25, 30 years now, and have been part of CCM for, I think, 16, 17 years And they've been working in that part of town, plugging away, uh, loving the place, building church, seeing the kingdom move forward. And they've been doing it for year on year on year. Um, The Simmons family, we've been in Manchester for 14 years now, uh, just planting and loving the city and uh, working hard. And we've got friends who have planted churches in, in Krakow. Warsaw, Prague, Stockholm, uh, Amsterdam. I know I was chatting with a pastor in Lagos a few weeks ago who's been there for years working hard. There are people all over the world in towns and villages and cities working hard to build church to see the kingdom of God move forwards. And, and long term is good, right? Long term is a wonderful thing. Long term shows uh, actually a few things. It shows that you are committed to the place that you live and the people that live there. Uh, It shows as well commitment to each other. If you're uh, long-term, you're willing to um, just settle in with people and build slowly together. It also shows commitment to Jesus. I think it's a a deeply spiritual thing, profound thing to uh, really commit yourself to a place for a time. And at CCM, we, we talk about three things that are important to us. We talk about devotion, community, and mission, which basically very simply means we love God, we love each other, and we love Manchester. And there are long-term objectives. That's what I, I want us to be doing uh, until the day that I die, um, to dedicate ourselves to that, to the kingdom of God in our city. Uh, and we've been working our way through a book uh, called Galatians, a letter written by Paul to a church in Galatia, and we're coming to the end of that series now. Um, so we got this week and then next week. But this church is a fascinating church. Paul wants them to think long term. He wants them to build good foundations in the places that they are. Uh, and Paul uh, writes them this letter, and it is pretty interesting because it's quite a strongly worded letter to them. It's it's a bit of a, a, a clip around the year. We're reading a 2,000-year-old strongly worded letter from Paul, who is worried about this church. And Paul, it seems, preached the gospel in the towns and cities of Galatia. Uh, there were churches planted there, and then he moved on. Uh, and, and Paul did this in a number of different places. But he saw then, in Galatia particularly, that other teachers and preachers and leaders came in and taught things that were quite divisive, quite difficult, and caused the church to perhaps lose its way, to believe things that Paul thought were, were false teachings. 
Uh, and uh, as was the time then, he wrote them a strongly worded letter. Uh, and this letter, in short, is very simple, actually. He says, remember grace. That, that is it. You are saved by the work of Jesus, not by your own efforts, not by your own sense of worthiness and righteousness, and not by the way that you practice religion, but actually by Jesus. And it's a good message for us to think about in Manchester. Manchester actually is a pretty self-righteous city. We, we have a very high opinion of ourselves. We have a very high opinion of the way that we choose to live life. Uh, and this city has a very high opinion of its own ethics and its own morality. And actually, Paul would say, you're only saved by Jesus, not by your own intent, kind of internal sense of worthiness. And so he tells them, remember grace, understand grace, live out grace. And the church, for him, needs that to be bedded into its very behaviour, its very culture, to treat each other with grace, with compassion, and that this is a long-term project. It actually takes years of walking alongside each other, of loving Jesus, of loving the city, to grow in that. And that is why church is long-term. It's meant to have a deep impact on the place that we're in, but also on each other as well. And to do that, you have to hang around we have to stay the course. So we're going to listen to, to, to Paul's kind of final warnings to this church in Galatia, and we're going to learn some things from it. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Galatians 6. It will also, oh, thank you very much, appear up behind me. Uh, Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10. And we will we'll read. Uh, Tom O'Toole actually gave me a much larger passage than that, and I decided to ignore it, and I'm going to do these few small verses. And if Tom listens to the recording, he knows exactly what happened now. So... Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So Paul describes what it means to stay the course, to think long term, to think about a church that does good in the city that it's in and is good for the people who are part of that church. And he has a very simple kind of way of doing this. He's, how do we do that? How do we have this long term church? And he says it's simple. You sow well and you have a good attitude. Good sowing, good attitudes. And that's what we are going to think about this morning. So let's start with a, a good sowing. How, how do we do that? Uh, and in verse 7 he says, look, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he, will he also reap? You reap what you sow. There are consequences to our actions, to our behaviour. That's very clear, isn't it? What you sow is what you reap. So if you sow good seeds, you will have a good crop. So Vicky likes gardening. I can't understand it, but she likes gardening and she puts good seeds in and gets things that she says are good. I don't know what they are, but she grows good things and sometimes we eat them. Uh, but if you sow bad seeds or if you ignore the grounds, then what do you get? You get weeds. And Paul explains, he says, look, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So what does he mean by that, sowing to the flesh? It's quite unusual language, isn't it? It's not very modern world language. Well, what, what does Paul mean? 
And when Paul is talking about the flesh, he isn't really talking about the human body. Okay? And Paul is sometimes uh, painted as this, this person who is very spiritual and anti-physical, that anything that was practical and physical, uh, he was uh, not a fan of at all. And actually, that's misreading what he was on about. Uh, you could think, uh, Paul is saying prayer is good because it's spiritual, uh, but human touch is a bad thing because it's physical. Uh, it's not what he means. When he describes flesh, he's talking about our sinful nature. He's talking about the very sense of what it is to be human in a fallen world. And that fallen humans actually rebel against God. So when we talk about sin, again, another very Christian word, really he means it's a rebelling against God. It's a deciding, I'm going to live my way. I'm going to live a human way. I'm not going to follow the way of God. Uh, it's a, uh, the broken image of, of what it is to be human. Uh, humans are made by God in his image to reflect him, to represent him. And when the image is broken, we decide actually we're only going to represent ourselves we're only going to reflect ourselves. So Paul is describing that. People who put themselves above God's, put our own wants and needs, our own preferences before what God calls us to. So when you sow to your flesh, as Paul describes, you're sowing for yourself. I'm going to live in the way that I want to. I will, I will sow to that. I'll look to make myself happy. I'll look to serve myself. I'll look to serve my own ethics and desires, my own way of living life, uh, and I'm not looking to God's. And Paul says, when we do that, what do we reap? He says, we reap corruption. So let's think of an example of that. Perhaps uh, it, we like to gossip, maybe, and we live in a very gossipy culture, don't we? And in that moment of gossip, you can feel quite powerful, can't you? You can actually know something about somebody, maybe somebody who's not even there, and you can make a joke about them with your friends, or you can offer an opinion about the way that they behave or something that's going on in their life. And for that moment, you have some power in that situation. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good feeling. It's quite an addictive feeling in that moment. So we sow into gossip. So into talking about people behind their back or saying things about people when they're not there to defend themselves or just generally running people down uh, when they're not present. But when you sow to gossip, eventually you will reap to it. So your friends will say, oh, he's happy to gossip uh, about other people. When he's not here, let's offer an opinion about his behaviour, shall we? And people will begin to talk about you behind your back. We sow to gossip. When you slow to the flesh, when you live for yourself, actually, you reap what you sow. You reap corruption. And Paul is addressing this at a church, a group of believers in a place. And he's saying, look, when we sow to our flesh, when we sow to ourselves, when we live for ourselves, actually, it makes community life very difficult. If you have a whole bunch of people who are actually just sowing to their own way of doing things, to their own wants and needs, it makes it very hard to work together. It makes it very hard for a family, doesn't it? If you are part of a family and that family is made up of individuals who only want to look after themselves and will go to battle to beat other people in their family, that is not a good place to be, is it? That's not a healthy place. And Paul would say, look, this is not compatible with loving God's with following Jesus. Actually, it's not really compatible with loving each other. And it's not really compatible with loving a city, serving a city. If a city was to look at a church and see their gossips, or, or actually they, they seem to just argue amongst themselves a lot, 
or they seem to every now and again just divide into a brand new group of people. Actually, that is not a good witness to our city, is it? But Paul then says, look, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And Paul kind of brings this theme up again and again in his writing, actually, as he writes to different churches. He says very similar things. So he wrote another letter to a church in Rome, and he said, look, in Romans 8, he says, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So in Romans, he says, look, you set your mind on something, and in Galatians, he says, you sow to something. So you set your mind on the flesh, or you sow to the flesh. Or you set your mind on the spirit and you sow to the spirit. When we sow, when we set our mind in a direction, actually there are consequences to that. There is reaction to that. There are results to that. And we see that in the consequence of, uh, of, of sowing to the flesh, of sowing to the self, like we talked about gossip. But uh, Paul was saying you, you also see it with the spirit if you sow to the spirit. And uh, last week we talked a little bit about this in Galatians 5. When he talked about the fruit of the Spirit, he talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They are the things that happen when you sow to the Spirit. They are the results, the consequences. They are what you reap when you sow to the Spirit. A friend of mine was a maths teacher in a very difficult school in Manchester. And I mean, she would tell me and Vicky about it. It was a high school. She would say, look, there is, in this school, behaviour is difficult. Getting these kids to sit down and listen to me teach them on maths is a very hard thing. They are not interested in maths or in listening to me or in even behaving in a reasonable way. And she would talk about this saying, it's just really hard. This is a difficult environment to be in often. And she said, okay, well, one time I was just really struggling, so I prayed. I prayed that evening before I went into school the next day. I prayed for simply that there would be peace in the classroom. If there's some peace, then I can teach, and that is good for everyone. So she prayed. And she felt, you know, God maybe suggest a few ideas of different things she could do in the class. Uh, and, but she said then the next week or so in, in school, there was peace in the classroom. Actually, I was able to teach. And she sowed to the Spirit, and she was able to reap from that. And I think the Holy Spirit worked in her in a few different ways. I think the Holy Spirit helped her in confidence, in being able to control the classroom, gave her ideas of things that she could do. But I think the Holy Spirit was also at work in that group of kids for that time, helping her as well. She sowed in the Spirit and she reaped. To be a long-term church, to have long-term impacts, we must ponder what that means for us as individuals but also as a community, what we sow to. Do we sow to ourselves? Do we sow to our own agenda, our own way of doing things, our own position in the world? Or do we sow to the Spirit? And Paul saw this church in Galatia beginning to sow to themselves, and he was worried about it. He saw them becoming particularly religious and legalistic, he saw them kind of oppressing each other, actually, in the, the requirements that, he, that they were adding in to what it meant to follow Jesus. These kind of extra rules and extra criteria and these extra bits of righteousness that you must perform and do. Jesus is no longer enough, actually. You need to uh, do all of these extra things as well. And when we think of slow, sowing to the flesh, 
you can think, <clears throat> okay, the preacher is going to go after some big classic sins here. That's what they're going to do. Uh, they're going to talk about sex and drinking and those kind of fleshly party sort of things that Paul is talking about. But actually, Paul's big concern, and it's his biggest concern in this, is it is robbing people of their faith in Jesus. That was his big worry. That, that your behavior is going to make it much more difficult for people to love Jesus. Now, to be a follower of Jesus actually is a very radical call. Uh, if, if you want to know, go read the Sermon on the Mount. Spend some time working through the preaching of Jesus in Matthew uh, and let the things that he says we should do just hit you. Um, it, he has very, very high standards for us. But the only way that we can ever get anywhere near those standards is by sowing to the Spirit. So for the long term, for long term church, we need to sow well. We also need good attitude. So let's go, verse 9. He says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So that as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Doing good can be wearing, can make you weary. This sense of, of church life actually can wear you out. Now, for Paul, he was thinking of his friends who were at church in, in a pagan part of Asia, in Galatia, and even that sense that you live as a Christian, you live as a follower of Jesus, you look sound and are different to everybody around you in the city. That in of itself is a wearying thing. I would say that is true in our city today. We are followers of Jesus. We are meant to look sound and behave differently uh, to the rest of our city. We are meant to stand out. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And in those moments, that actually is quite wearing. Attitude is very important in that. He was calling them, look, serve your friends, love the poor, work hard, be generous with your money, live as Jesus called you to, live with honesty, live with purity. To live for God, to sow to the spirit in a world that sows to the flesh, actually is not a simple task. He's not being flippant about it. He's not just saying, can't pull your act together. We all know how to do this. It's nice and easy. That's not what he's saying at all. Actually, he's saying, look, this is, this is a difficult thing. Don't grow weary of this. However, Paul wants us to remember that when power comes, when the spirit moves, and that doesn't come from religious conviction. It doesn't come from being very well motivated. It doesn't come from, you know, being from a nice Christian home or, or from your particular experience of salvation. Actually, Paul uh, is kind of bringing to mind another church at this point, a church in Jerusalem, the first New Testament church. They saw a big shift between Acts 1 and Acts 2, if you were to read those passages. In Acts 1, you see actually a really good church, small church, self-contained, good community, good people, well-organized, obedient to Jesus, loved Jesus. They were all Jesus' friends. They actually physically met him. They, and they were very for Jesus. But it wasn't until Acts 2, until the power of God rested on them, the Holy Spirit encountered them, that actually that church dramatically changed. It went from that small group of about hundreds to thousands. It, they, they were so generous, they eradicated poverty in their own church. Without God breathing life into us, without us being able to sow into that, sowing into his spirit, we are hugely limited and actually easily become weary. 
When God moves, actually, there's incredible power available to us. Now, in this, I am not saying Christians don't get tired, okay? That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying if you've had a a rough, long, difficult week at work, what you need is a good, solid eight-hour prayer meeting. That is not what I'm saying to you. And that's not what Paul is saying. Um, Vicky works hard in her job. She does uh, long hours in a hospital. It's an intense environment. And I know many of you here have uh, jobs that would be similar, that would be very intense and demanding. And, or maybe you're in exam season with the stress that comes with that. All of those things actually can make you uh, tired. And it's important that we look after ourselves well and actually we serve and look after each other as we uh, live that life. And Paul is talking about a different thing. He's talking about weariness, not tiredness. And weariness is when we lose hope. Actually, when we kind of give up a little bit on what God can do. We lose the sense of actually we are part of an advancing kingdom. Perhaps we lose sight of what that means. Perhaps we look at situations where we're desperate for change to happen and it's just not happening. And that weariness can actually make us cynical, can't it? When we think actually nothing's going to work. It doesn't matter what I do at this point. There's no point in trying. Weariness can come actually when you sow without reaping. And Paul talks about this. He says, do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. But not in every season. And we've all been through seasons like that. Perhaps where you've spent lots of time praying, lots of time in the Word, reading your Bible, and the breakthrough that you are desperate to happen doesn't quite happen. Or perhaps there's a particular habit in life, you're thinking, I just, I I hate this part of my personality or this way of behaving, I I want it to shift, I want it to change. And you just feel like you're on a very long battle to bring that to change. Perhaps it's in talking to friends about Jesus. Perhaps you'd spend time with people who don't know Jesus and you're trying to live in a faithful way, you're trying to explain what you believe uh, to your friends, you diligently share faith. And there's no breakthrough, the breakthrough that you really want to see in their lives. Sometimes we sow and we don't reap. And a good thing about this is this also happened to Jesus. In Luke 9, Jesus preached in a village. Okay? This, remember Jesus, son of God, walks into your village. Uh, Jesus can perform miracles, heal the sick. Uh, he is just an incredible public speaker. All of the things, this, uh, God basically walks into their village, doesn't he? And yet that village rejected and ignored him. God showing up wasn't enough for them. And his disciples, as they left this village, they were angry. They were like, look, could you call fire down on that village? But let's burn this village to the ground. They're clearly not listening to you. Let's destroy them all. And Jesus ignored them and they went to the next village. But that's a picture of their own weariness as disciples there, wasn't it? That kind of sense of bitterness and cynicism, that was rubbish. Let's just destroy them all. Let's move on. Forget them. That was a load of rubbish. But Paul actually wants us to step back and observe the moment that we are in. Observe the season that you are in, even. He says, in due season, we will reap. Actually, we reap when God decides that we will, because the seasons belong to God, don't they? 
So summer is beginning to pull in. And uh, I often have the conversation with the kids. I can't wait for summer. Summer's the best time of year. We get to do holidays and barbecues and it's just a lot more fun. And you don't feel like you're sitting under the grey cloud of Manchester that, that seems to exist from October to April. You feel like there's actual blue in the sky. It's a wonderful thing, but I have no control over it whatsoever. Absolutely no control. God controls the seasons. And he controls the seasons of our lives as well. Uh, We are working through Ecclesiastes in our evening meeting. And Ecclesiastes is my favourite book of the Bible. You absolutely must read it. And Ecclesiastes 3 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There is a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up what is planted, which is a very Ecclesiastes way of saying, you reap what you sow. And there is a season for sowing and a season for reaping. You have to own the season that you are in. It's so important that we don't wish away the season that we have. I remember when the kids were little and they were at that kind of tiny toddler stage where they just destroy or eat everything that's in front of them. And it's, it's it, you know, people are like, oh, toddlers are cute. Try living with one, okay? That's, it's not cute. Uh, and I remember at times I would say to Vicky, oh, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great when they're grown up and they can actually tidy up after themselves, which is not a phase we've reached yet. But uh, we'd kind of talk about it. And Vicky would say to me, you don't wish it away, Tim. Don't wish away the season that you're in. Don't wish away this point in time. In our first few years of planting this church, so we started in Fallowfield in 2009. In the first few years, there was a lot of sowing and really not very much reaping at all. It was really hard to convince literally anybody to come to this church. There were weeks where it was a struggle to convince my own family to come along to this church. Uh, it was a, a tough few years. It took years for people actually to start becoming Christians. And as I look back, I realised that that season was really, really important for us as a church, but really important for me as well. Actually, it was a a really important season to experience difficulty, to actually go through a time where it just wasn't fruitful. And why was that good? Well, it was good for my humility. It genuinely was very good for my maturity. Actually, it was good for us to learn that you don't get what you want straight away and you have to uh, really dig in and that church is for the long term. And then when we started growing, then it's a different season and you get different things to deal with. And Paul says, look, do not give up. In due season, we will reap. Do not give up. We are to stand firm in these seasons when we sow and when we don't reap. I think one of the interesting things as we think back about COVID, and I think of numbers of my friends Um, just not even friends in Manchester, but friends I've had for years, uh, who reacted to the difficult time of lockdown in in lots of different ways. Some of them just kind of bedded in, this is the season that it is, what am I going to learn? What is God teaching me? Uh, if, If he's not teaching me anything, how do I worship him in this time? How do I just love Jesus in these times? And other friends of mine just thought, it's difficult, therefore God doesn't like me, therefore I don't like him. And that was the process that we saw uh, numbers of our friends go to. People who I would have looked up to over the years and thought, these are people of good faith and uh, they're Christians of maturity. But as soon as a difficult time, and it was a difficult time, a genuinely difficult time, and many of us experienced it in, uh, in different ways. But as soon as they came up against a difficult time, they couldn't deal with the season that they were in. It's actually really important for us 
Christian maturity actually is to see the time that we're in and worship, regardless of whether it is a good time or a bad time. Actually, I don't think it's always helpful to say you're, you're having a bad time, it's a bad season, what is God teaching you at the moment? Sometimes God isn't teaching us anything, God just wants us to be a worshipper. That's our primary call in life, actually, to worship God's. Yes, this is a difficult moment, how are you going to be a worshipper of God's? Paul says, don't give up. And how do we not give up? Well, he says, look, as you have any opportunity, let us do good to everyone. It's brilliant, isn't it? It says, take your opportunities. Observe the season that you're in and then do good to people as you can. So for some of you, now is a time of study. Now is a time of study and you're surrounded by people who are also studying. And it's those times are times of high anxiety and stress with exams and all of those things. And in those moments, actually taking the opportunity to do good to those that are around you is a great way of using the season that you are in. For others of us, it's a time of working and you're in the routine of working life. And what do you do in that season? Paul says, don't give up but use the opportunity to do good to those around you. And Paul is saying, look, lift your eyes, look at your city, look at the people in your church. He particularly talks about, especially to those of the household of faith, he's saying, look, regardless of the season you're in, look around at those who are with you, who are walking with you. How can you do good to them? We live in um, an interesting moment in Christianity where we're talking a lot about emotional and spiritual health which I think is very important and there's been quite a lot written about it and we read and talk about it a bit and I think it's good it is important uh, that we are healthy in our in our worship of God and in our emotions and all of those things but sometimes in it we become more about ourselves than about other people and it's interesting when Paul is saying look at the season you're in sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad please look after your emotional health he doesn't say that does he He says, look at those around you. Can you do them good? That's our opportunity to sow to the Spirit. It's important for us as a church, actually. It's important for this generation. I don't include myself in that generation. I'm talking at you. It is important for you, your generation. It's very easy to get pulled into just thinking about how we look after ourselves. It is. Uh, And when I was your age, when I was your generation, we were exactly the same. So older generations like to say the new generation are much less mature and are much less robust than we were, but it's a lie. We were exactly the same. Gen X's were the same as Gen Z's. Actually, we are to do good to those around us. If we want to see God move in our city, if we want to see the kingdom of God advance in your workplace, in your families in your friendship groups, do not give up. Take the opportunities to do goods. We are a long-term church. Actually, those of you that have studied here in Manchester and then stayed and are building lives here, actually, you're a huge part of that, to love our city, to serve and bless, to look for opportunities to do goods. We will love God together. We will grow together as followers and disciples.